It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of the space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And we're going to do a little college football stock report, take a look at some of these prospects with the co-host of Badlands over on Patreon with Joe Caparoso. And, of course, he does great work all year round on the draft with Bleacher Report, Mr. Connor Rogers. Connor, what's going on, buddy? Scott, always good to talk to you, man. And, you know, uh, another eventful or, or lack thereof eventful Jets season. So we are definitely on to heavy draft talk. It's like I get phoned in earlier and <laughs> earlier each year at this point. It's true. People are looking at you quicker and quicker by the year. So let's hope that this year when they go into the draft, they start to turn that tide by drafting well. Let's begin with the quarterback position. Tell me about what you saw from the quarterbacks this past week that Jets fans should be looking at. Trevor Lawrence obviously didn't play. He's going to miss the game against Notre Dame as well. I don't think that's going to hurt his stock. Maybe you've heard something I haven't, but I can't imagine it would. Justin Fields played very well against Penn State. Zach Wilson in a blowout win. Tell me a little bit about what you saw from these quarterbacks this past week and what you've been hearing around the league. Yeah, so I think when you look at it, right, obviously you come out of the gate with Trevor Lawrence and everybody's really excited. And, you know, before, unfortunately, testing positive for COVID, uh, he, he was kind of a machine at that point. It's just you, you see the mobility, you see the arm strength, you see the size, uh, you see, you know, he, I know a lot of people complain. They're like, oh, well, he's not under pressure a lot, but you could find those reps where he is under pressure. Uh, he does move very, very well. He resets his feet all world's arm talent. So I think, you know, the world is excited for Trevor Lawrence to be back on the college football field at some point this year. And, and hopefully everything is okay with him. Um, you know, he is a special quarterback prospect. There's no doubt about that. I think when you look at it, you know, everybody has talked about him as this, you know, I like to say once in a decade kind of guy, I really do. I think he can be a, a better quarterback prospect than Andrew Luck was. I think he's that special. I think that, you know, everybody's sitting there going, you know, how can some of these teams take a quarterback again, whether it's the Giants moving on from Daniel Jones, the Jets moving on from Sam Darnold, you know, Jacksonville already being ready to cut ties with Gardner Minshew. I know they didn't invest a, a big asset in him, but, you know, at the end of the day, the guy has played some good games and, and didn't really seem to get a long leash. But Lawrence is that good where you look at him and you project him as a top five, top eight quarterback in the league in the future. And I think it's early too, right? I think that's something that's really important to project. I think with guys like, especially Darnold, Josh Allen, uh, they were viewed as guys that had significant holes, but also had insane upside because of their raw talent. 
Now, I think with Lawrence, it's a little bit more on the side of all of that raw talent and more is there, right? Whether it is the arm, whether it is the legs, whether it is the size, uh, the maturity is insane. I mean, we're talking about somebody that was an offensive MVP of a national championship game against Alabama as a true freshman. So this guy has been doing it on the biggest stage for three years now, which is just not very common, to be honest with you. So it's quite simple. He checks every box. You know, we don't have to go too long on Lawrence. Everybody, um, you know, I think has heard a lot of it. And and there's going to be a lot of time to talk about him, especially if the Jets continue to not win a football game this year. It, it will be Trevor Lawrence, number one overall. That's, I could say that quite simply, to be honest with you. And, and then you look at now this is where it gets fun, right? It's a good quarterback class. Justin Fields is, you know, it's, it's not really fair to frame him as a consolation prize, right? And people naturally are going to do that. You look at Justin Fields and you sit there and go, okay, well, he's the guy after Trevor Lawrence. Well, when they came out of their recruiting classes, they were really a 1A and 1B kind of deal. You know, from a talent perspective, these guys were, these guys had it and they have it. You know, Fields is somebody that is a little bit better of a runner than Trevor Lawrence, not as a complete passer, but getting there bit by bit. And I, I had, I got to talk to Quincy Avery on, on our stick to football and, you know, Quincy was saying that he's never seen somebody at the college level work as hard in an off season as fields did this year, whether it was losing, you know, about 15 pounds and getting healthy because he was playing a little banged up last year and, you know, working on his throwing, working on his base, working on his mechanics. And I think early on through this Ohio state season, we've seen almost perfection, right? The ball placement, uh, the ability to go through his reads, the ability to manipulate defenders with his eyes, a, a lot of different things like that. that quite simply, you didn't see enough of last year, and, and most importantly, driving the ball, which is kind of where you wonder how much the injury comes into play. So I think for Fields, you know, to put it, I always try to put things because not everybody is going to be all in on the draft, especially in November, right? You look at it, but to put it in perspective. Fields is a guy that can be really one of the highly higher graded quarterbacks we've seen in the last couple of drafts. And I mean that, I mean, we have Lawrence, right? He sits there at the top and we know he's going to be, you know, touted as the next great thing. And Fields really should not be that far behind in terms of, you know, the quarterbacks that have gone number one overall. I think Fields can be, you know, almost as good, maybe even the same as a quarterback prospect as Joe Burrow. Right. And they're very different. Fields has a little bit more impressive of a physical profile. I think Burrow, um, you know, had a little bit better, obviously, pocket presence was the name of his game. So Fields is a special player. He should go number two overall no matter who's picking there. And I think that you look at it, it's not just these two at the top. You have Trey Lance, but only got one game. It wasn't a great game. Um, you know, Trey is training for the draft already. And, um, you know, him and Jamie Newman are not are, do not have college football seasons basically this year. They're both training for the draft. Uh, Trey is somebody that will probably go top 10 a little bit more raw because of the level of competition. I think the accuracy, though, is really impressive. I think the the running ability is kind of similar to how Deshaun Watson was coming out, where it's, you know, he's a guy that keeps his eyes downfield and looks to push the ball. Uh, but he can take off with really, really good acceleration and I think he, he has a, a little bit stronger, a little bit more of a thicker body type than Deshaun did coming out, where you feel pretty good about that body type holding up. And that was a knock on Watson coming out from a lot of evaluators. So th these are three sp pretty special guys at the top, to be honest with you. And then you're getting into the biggest riser of the season, and that's Zach Wilson from BYU, who 
is just looking like a completely different player from last year. Um, you know, a little bit smaller of a quarterback, but just has that elite flick of the wrist throwing style. So it's a really good quarterback class. There are going to be teams that are left out. You know, that's always how it goes. But I think it's one where, hey, we had that year where we had those five guys, right? You had Baker, uh, Sam, you know, Josh Allen, Rosen, and Lamar Jackson. And there was a lot of debate over them. I don't know if the debate will be the same between these guys, but I think in terms of turning over and changing the league, they can have that kind of power, right? I think a lot of people sit there and go, oh, Lawrence is the best. You know, Fields is right there, not that far behind him. Uh, Lance and Wilson can be very, very upside, high upside starters. But I think that when you look at it, you know, the most important thing is, is that these guys are, are viewed as legit future franchise quarterbacks, or at least have the potential to become that. Let's talk a little bit about the top weapons that any quarterback coming in here, or if Sam Darnold is here, would have next season. I know that you mocked one of these players at wide receiver to the Jets in your three-round mock draft over at the Badlands Patreon, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. But who are some of the wide receivers that you watched this past week that really stood out to you, and who are some of the guys that are generating buzz? Yeah, so I think for me, you know, number one, the, you know, the player that I had liked at the end of the first round for the Jets in that mock draft was Rashad Bateman, uh, the big wide receiver from Minnesota that had opted out, opted back in. I compared him to Keenan Allen. I think he runs, you know, pro-ready routes and pro-ready releases off the line of scrimmage, which is not common when you're evaluating college players, right? They're just not they're not facing press a lot. And even if they are, they're not, they don't have polished releases. They might not be running a full route tree. Uh, they might not be nuanced, especially working in traffic. And Bateman kind of does all of those things. So a really exciting player, a big body target, can go up and win the football. Everybody will question the long speed to a degree. I, I don't really share those questions. We did it with CD Lamb for how long <laughs> last year. And then he ran, what, a four four five or whatever it was that just go, oh, okay, everything's fine. So I don't really have those questions with Bateman. Even if he went out and ran a four five five, I would sit there and go, okay, he's still the guy I thought he was a guy that can win, uh, you know, from, from five to 25 yards over and over again, which is where a lot of the game is played. And of course, you know, we are seeing teams get more vertical, but I think that intermediate game is, is really, really vital. So I really like Bateman. I'm fascinated by this class for a lot of different reasons. One, it's a special group. I want to make that very clear. We had a special group last year. And since I've been doing this, Scott, I would say I've been doing this, you know, for eight years um, in a pretty in-depth way, but really as a full-time job at Bleacher Report for a couple of years now where I try to evaluate uh, a large amount of prospects. Where I, the reason I say this is a special group is Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Rondell Moore, uh, Bateman, you know, maybe Kadarius Tony gets in there. There's a lot of guys. I could sit here all day and just keep naming names that could go in the first round or top 50, kind of like what we saw last year. But why it's so interesting to me is Jamar Chase opted out, right? And, and is, I don't want to say his replacement, but the guy that was next up for LSU, Terrace Marshall, is absolutely killing it. He's a touchdown machine. The guy basically catches two touchdowns every single game he plays. So he's in the conversation as well. But Chase opts out. Um, I think Chase should be a top 10 pick. I really do. I think he's special. And, and I think that, you know, I'm curious to see how teams evaluate uh, him not playing this year. And I don't think it'll matter that much. Jalen Waddle was the only guy I thought that could catch him. And he fractured his ankle. Uh, really sad to see. Waddle should still be a first round pick if he intends to leave. His teammate, Devonta Smith, is another guy that, you know, he might not impress you 
from a size speed standpoint, he's like 170. He's probably going to run, you know, four, four, two ish kind of guy, which is still really fast. But, you know, it's funny when we laugh at speed like that. Meanwhile, all of us at home are like, you know, barely moving off the couch. So when you look at it, um, Waddle is just so explosive. It's, it's everything that the league is looking for today. You know, you look for the Tyree kill uh, types. We saw the Raiders really do it with Henry Ruggs last year, another Alabama guy. I think Waddle's a better player than Ruggs. I, I really do. I actually think he's by a pretty big margin. He's a better player than Ruggs. So you look at it in that, in that light, uh, you know, the injury might hurt Waddle a little bit in terms of his draft stock, but it's not going to drop him at around one. And if he's ready to go next year, I mean, you're talking about an absolute rocket kind of player just shot out of a cannon. Kadarius Tony's the big riser out of Florida. He's somebody that, you know, smaller guy um, that wasn't very productive the last three years, had some drops, had some consistency issues. And now it's just all put together. Uh, really electric. Him and Kyle Trask have a good rapport. He's somebody that they've been even handing the ball to, you know, to get just get the ball in his hands and make guys miss. A really good contact balance, really good vision. Um, the same could be said for Elijah Moore, the slot out of Ole Miss. And, you know, somebody that just is a receptions machine at this point. So those are the smaller guys in this class. And then you have some big targets too. You know, I mentioned Bateman. Um, you look at uh, Seth Williams from Auburn, a big possession target over the middle of the field. I mean, this is a good group, honestly, Scott. It really is. It's one that, you know, last year I used to joke, okay, I'm going to have a headache stacking this class. And <laughs> you know, I felt pretty good about it. I felt pretty good about it at the end and feel pretty good about it early. And, you know, but by the time I was done, I was like, oh, you know, breathe a sigh, you know, sigh of relief. Um, well, guess what? I get to do it all again this year. So here we go. <laughs> do you have a similar headache when you're stacking offensive line prospects? I do because the offensive line I, I have admitted for a long time was definitely some a position group that I um, you know needed work on. I, I think it's it's just one that there's so much technical aspects of the game that that I had never been really privy to early on in doing this. And you know I have some good sources that have that have or not I don't want to call them sources, really just connections that uh, have have been a really good assistance with that. And I'm not saying they they do my rankings for me. What I'm saying is that I can you know, ask them what they look for and what they find as deficiencies and what they find as strengths. And I think it's a group that I've gotten a lot better at, to be honest with you, over the years. I think I look back at, you know, I, I felt it was an inconsistent rankings with offensive line. And I think recently I've, you know, I've started to really figure it out. The hardest part with offensive linemen, and this happens with any player group, but it's just measuring uh, character because there's so much work. You, it's a position that you just – you really can't just go out on the field and show up, right? Like you, you can't, it's, you can't do that at offensive line. There's so many little nuances of the game. There's so much preparation put into it and there's so much body work put into it. It was something we saw with Makai Becton last year. You know, there was times with Makai where at Louisville, he was like up to 385 pounds. And you're like, man, you can't be like that at the NFL level. Uh, tip of the cap to Makai. He's just worked his ass off <laughs> since getting drafted and, even his last year at Louisville, it just completely changed his mindset uh, and has turned into the special player that we always thought he could be. So I think that's a tough thing with offensive linemen is saying, hey, you know, is this guy willing to put in the work? Is he willing to keep his body right? Is he willing to take his game to the next level? Because you can't just be the best offensive line athlete on the field in the NFL. You have to put it all together from a technique standpoint or else uh, things will not go well for you. So it's, you know, it's a different kind of position group and one that 
uh, I, I look at it as an exciting challenge, and it's going to be that way this year because it's a really, really good class. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let's shift a little bit to the defensive side of the ball, Connor, and talk about the position that many Jets fans have been pining for for a long time, edge rusher. Now, I know that in your mock draft over at the Badlands Patreon, you mocked an edge rusher to the Jets early in the draft. Who was he? Why do you think he'd be a good fit with the Jets? And tell me a little bit about some of the other edge rushing prospects that you've been taking a look at. Yeah, so you have, you know, this was Quincy Roche, the, the edge rusher transfer uh, that's playing at Miami this year. This is a player that in three seasons at Temple racked up 26 sacks. And I think when you look at that number, that's pretty jarring production for an edge guy. 245 pounds, uh, bend and burst, something the Jets just never draft. I, I really don't have an explanation for it. Um, you know, something I loved about Brian Burns, who is just killing it for Carolina right now. And, you know, it is something that we've seen a little bit of from Bryce Huff, the UDFA out of Memphis. So uh, Roche is like that juiced up version where it's just like, wow, the, the get off the ball, uh, the bend and burst, the ability to finish plays, the ability to disrupt the pocket from the outside. So he's somebody that is really, really just, uh, you know, uh, playing really well this year on film, even if the box score has been OK, not great, but good. I mean, I think he has like two and a half sacks in five games. So you look at him. Uh, he's somebody that in the second round I think can, can be a big-time player. And, and this is, you know, an edge class edge class that coming out of summer I was extremely underwhelmed by, but I think we're seeing some guys start to really come into their own early in the college football season, starting with uh, Quiddy Pay from Michigan, the, the all-world athlete. Everybody knows him from Bruce Feldman's Freaks article, but Pay is somebody now that's, that's starting to become a pressures machine. He does a good job uh, keeping offensive lines' hands off him. He does a good job getting off the snap. Uh, change of direction is, is tremendous. It's as really as good as I've seen this year. And, and then you look at somebody like Shaka Tony from Penn state, uh, maybe the best bend in the class. Um, another guy, he just whooped up on Indiana. You turn on one of those, you know, late fourth quarter drives from Indiana and he's the guy that's constantly making noise. You know, Gregory Rousseau is not playing this year, opt out from Miami, but, uh, you know, an exciting player that has been used on all alignments of the defensive line. He's even played like nose tackle or shade nose. It's kind of hilarious. But, you know, he's somebody that is super, super raw, but has all the talent in the world. He kind of reminds me of Carlos Dunlap a little bit, who just got traded actually uh, before the deadline. So, you know, it, it's an edge class that I'm still kind of working through to find, hey, who are the breakout guys, right? I was excited about Chris Rump out of Duke, and it's been a slow start. Um you know, so you, you kind of sit there and go, okay, you know, let's see who can who can really take the reins here, who can break out. It's, it's not my favorite edge class um, that I've seen lately, and I, I think that that can change. You know, things happen where guys break out or small school guys really step up and step in, um, and it's one that, you know, that's why I look at, you know, somebody like Roche and go, man, like we've seen him do it now for how many years over and over again. All the traits are there. It wouldn't shock me if he plays himself into the end of the first round. Connor, Jets are in need of some long-term answers at corner, big time. 
And I think there are some real gems in this particular class. The one that I really like, who I thought the Jets might have a chance to get at the top of the second round or the end of the first round, but now I'm not so confident he makes it there, is J.C. Horn, Joe Horn's son, who is at South Carolina. Tell me a little bit about him and some of the other corners that you've been watching, because I do think there are some really strong possibilities for the Jets in the first couple of rounds. Yeah, so I think when you look at Horn, he's somebody that just does a really good job almost at all levels of playing the position. Definitely, you know, staying in phase, uh, very patient. It doesn't really overreact to a lot of moves. And somebody that at the line of scrimmage is going to kind of stay in your hip pocket and give you a lot of problems. And that's something that excites me at the position. I think just somebody that wants to get up in your face, kind of wants to make your day. Uh, not fun, right? Not easy and really, really competitive player at the point of attack, especially when the ball is in the air. So Horn is somebody that has the size and physicality that you, you get excited about. And then you look at, you know, the rest of this group, it's very star heavy. Caleb Farley opted out. Uh, he's a first round player, size, speed, athleticism, ball production, Patrick Sertain, the second from Alabama, uh, size, you know, crazy length. I think when you look at Sean Wade, it's been a little bit of a slow start for him, but he's somebody that's transitioning to show he could play outside of the slot. All the talent in the world. Paulson Adebo, the Stanford corner, had a really great 2018. Um, you know, in 2019, he, he was injured and up and down. I'm excited to see when the Pac-12 comes back to see how he looks. So, you know, there's a lot of good corners in this class, and we're going to see a lot drafted very early as the league just looks to really put a premium on that position. And I think it's been a really good year for someone like Horn because, you, you like, like I said, Caleb Farley isn't playing, um, you know, and he's somebody that was viewed as the number one corner coming into this season. So it opens up the door for more opportunity for someone like that. And, you know, this is just a corner group that has physical traits galore. These guys are all six foot two. They all run very well. They all move very well. Uh, you know, and the technique is something that needs a little work. But I, I think it's a good group that – you know, is is only going to get more hype as we get closer to the draft because I, I really think we're going to see a lot of them come off the board in the top 70 picks. Any other players we miss, Connor? Oh, man. I think, you know, a lot of people are asking about the interior of this offensive line, right? Class because the Jets is so bad <laughs> with Greg Van Rotten <laughs> and Alex Lewis and whoever they want to try it out there week after week. You know, I, I like this group uh, coming in. Trey Smith from Tennessee has been a favorite of mine for a couple of years. I would have had him in the first round if he declared last year. Wyatt Davis from Ohio State, same thing. Would have had him in the first round if he declared last year. Uh, Deontay Brown, after serving a suspension in college and getting his weight under control, looks like an absolute stud uh, for Alabama. Somebody that can really thrive in a gap scheme, get you in a phone booth and drive block you to the other end zone. So I think when you look at it, you know, it's an area, Scott, that we can't overlook, right? I, I think it's one of those ones where, you know, the Jets are so poor in that area and you just don't want your young quarterback having pressure in his face, uh, you know, from the interior over and over again. So I think it's one that's it's going to be super important to this team. And I think it's it's going to be something that, um, you know, it's a good group. It really is. It's, it's one that is going to have some star talent where a lot of people sit there and go, well, you really shouldn't draft a guard in the first round. Well, what if I told you it's a pro bowl caliber player? Uh, then I think the conversation changes. And I think we got two of those guys in this group. Connor, I wanted to ask you about some of the coaches at the college football level, because you're very plugged in, in those circles. And so you might've heard some things, the Jets, 
barring a miracle, are going to be looking for a head coach at the end of this season. And I think that they should really take a look at the college ranks. They did last time. They tried to get permission to interview Matt Campbell. He said no. They did interview Matt Rule, and it looked like they might be on the verge of hiring him. We know what happened there, and he ended up in Carolina a year later. Do you expect the Jets to look in the college ranks again? And who are some of the coaches that you're hearing buzz about? Well, I don't know if I necessarily expect it because we're still trying to figure out what Joe Douglas wants to do. And I do think he's a guy that has all of his experience really on, on with pro staffs from all of his stops, whether it's the Ravens, Bears, Eagles. Now, what I'll say to you, Scott, is that one, you know, I was a big fan of Matt Campbell, the last hiring cycle, and Matt Campbell turned down the Jets. He, he just didn't had no interest in coming to New York. Um, you know, now there was a different time. Uh, I think things were on the rise at Iowa State. I think Matt Campbell, you know, was sitting there going, "Hey, is there a day I can get the uh, the Ohio State job?" And I think the, that's you know that ship has sailed. Um, so maybe things change. Maybe they check in there again. Todd Munkin doing a really good job with the Georgia offense after a pretty you know crappy year stuck with the Browns. I'm a big Todd Munkin guy. I know you are as well. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, the Jets interviewed him before uh, they liked him. Um, I hope that they think creatively enough that, Hey, we, we liked this guy. Maybe we should give it him a chance. So those are the two to keep an eye on. Now, what I always say is that, you know, Woody Johnson loves Jim Harbaugh and Woody Johnson's coming back. So I would never rule out some ridiculous Jim Harbaugh chase, although I would not endorse that. Um, so you know, those are the college guys that I'm not going to get caught up in the Dabo Sweeney stuff. Don't think he's leaving Clemson. Don't think Ryan Day is leaving Ohio State. Don't think Lincoln Riley is leaving Oklahoma. So I think those pipe dreams are are exactly what, you know, you, you assume they are at the moment until we hear otherwise. But the college guys are, are definitely the way to go, I think, for a franchise like the Jets that let's be real here, Scott, they're going to be fielding you know, what seems like college rosters. They have a million draft picks. A lot of their important players are not going to be veteran players. They're going to be young players. I think the college guys know how to manage those players, develop those players, put them in positions to succeed. You know, you look at how much success Joe Brady's having in his first year as an offensive coordinator with the Panthers after a championship season at LSU. I hope Joe Brady gets interviews. He's somebody that I, I would be very curious to see um, you know, get a shot. So I like the riskier chances, you know, and it's funny. It was billed to us that Adam Gase wasn't a risky hire. They wanted somebody with experience. Well, you know, that not risky hire turned into, you know, the worst Jets coaching hire of all time. So I think when you look at it overall, I think the Jets need to change their ways. And, and I'm with you that, you know, if they're not thinking about the college ranks, they need to start start thinking about it. Unfortunately, the Jets didn't understand the difference between good experience and bad experience. Hopefully, they've learned that lesson this time because I think that getting somebody who has proven they can be a successful head coach at the collegiate or the NFL level is the way to go. Whether the Jets do that or not, as you said, remains to be seen. Connor, we've got a full slate of games this Saturday, and if you want to bet on them and make some money off of your viewing experience, because I'm sure, like Connor and I, you're going to be sitting around watching college football all day, head over to my bookie. And when you sign up now, you can use the promo code OVERTIME to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. 
It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. You can bet on the college football games on Saturday, the pro games on Sunday, MMA, boxing, whatever you want. It's all available at my bookie. Don't forget, use the promo code OVERTIME and you can claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand bucks. You can use it on the Jets if you want, use it on the Patriots, any of the rest of the games throughout the weekend. It's all there at my bookie. And Connor, when we watch these matchups on Saturday, who are some of the players that we should really be keeping an eye on? And what are some of the key games that we should be paying attention to? Yeah, I mean, listen, when you look at it, everybody's always going to be watching these quarterbacks week after week. Now, it's a shame we don't get Trevor Lawrence, right? It really is because I think this was a game everybody had circled, Trevor Lawrence, Notre Dame, all those things. I would tell people this. One, if you want to know about more about Quincy Roche, the guy I talked about and put in the mock draft, you know, Miami's playing NC State. Uh, he's a wrecking ball. You get to watch him on Friday night, and you don't even have to move from your couch because after that you could watch Zach Wilson, the BYU quarterback against Boise State. So I think that's right where you start the weekend. I think those are two really exciting guys, and it's great you get to do it on a Friday if, you, if you're not going to be around all Saturday. So, you know, obviously we have a lot of excitement now with the, with the Pac-12 returning, so everybody will have their eyes on that. USC has some pieces on the offensive line and at wide receiver. I like their young quarterback, but he's not draft eligible. So I think when you look at it, you know, Florida, Georgia, of course, if you want to see Kadarius Tony, if you want to see the tight end Kyle Pitts, uh, you get to see them against a really, really good defense. I think everybody has their eyes on how are they going to perform against that caliber of a defense. And Paulson Adebo for Stanford goes up against number 12 Oregon. So I think when you look at it overall, you know, listen, this is pretty exciting. Um, pretty exciting weekend of college football from the draft perspective, from the college football perspective. And I think there's just a lot of draft implications already on the line. You know his work at Bleacher Report, and if you don't know his work from Badlands yet, go subscribe right now on Patreon. Connor Rogers, thanks so much for coming on. As always, really appreciate it. Love getting your insight on this stuff, especially since, as we know, the Jets are 0-8 right now, so we got to start looking at the draft. For anybody that hasn't subscribed to the Patreon yet, go ahead and let them know what they're in for when they do subscribe. And I know we touched on your three-round mock draft a little bit, but for anybody that hasn't seen it yet, talk a little bit more about what you've got in there. Yeah, I mean, me and Joe Caparoso, you know, obviously with your help, Scott, are, are doing a ton of different things on the, the Badlands Patreon. It's, it's $3 a month. Um, you know, if you were an original Podbean subscriber, you still get the, the show every single week uploaded to Podbean, so don't worry about that. Uh, the reason that we also are opening things up on the Patreon platform is it gives you a lot more options. So, you know, right now uh, it's podcasts and articles. So writing mock drafts in there, Joe's writing Jets thoughts. You know, we're trying to get a bunch of different things. I, I know we've we've talked with you, obviously, about some more potential exciting stuff on the way. So it's kind of just going to be your portal to a premium Jets content. And I mean, for three bucks a month, it's like, a, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's you know, I mean, I understand some people don't want to pay for uh, sports coverage, but you know, this to me is totally worth it. If you're a diehard Jets fan facing yeah, quite frankly, probably the biggest off season of the franchise's existence, at least since I've been doing this. So it, there's a lot of potential in there for uh, video stuff, for live streaming. Uh, we're basically going to be good, putting out content nonstop uh, once January hits all the way through and after the draft. So you'll get your money's worth there. The Badlands show, you know, there's an episode every single week with guests this week we had on uh, Jason from over the cap to kind of take an early look at the salary cap situation and the off season. And like I said, 
did a three-round mock draft in there, which is actually five picks because the Jets have Seattle's first and third rounder as well. So um, obviously, you know, just a lot of different things going on in there. It's it's great to have Patreon and have subscribers because it kind of allows me to dedicate uh, more time to the Jets coverage as well. So it's, you know, in my opinion, I think we'll make it totally worth it for anybody on the fence. And, uh, and if you, you don't think it is after one month, you can walk away without $3 in your pocket. So it's, it's not really the biggest, uh, the biggest risk there either. And we're just having a ton of fun with it. And, and what I can confidently say is the best Jets, um, you know, will be the best Jets offseason coverage by far this year. For the cost of a slice of pizza, you can have access to everything that Connor just talked about over at Badlands on Patreon. So go ahead and subscribe. You can find the links at Connor's Twitter, at Connor J. Rogers, or at Joe Caparoso's Twitter, at J. Caparoso. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.